0: I'm Brian Myers, I'm Mike Ritalik, I'm Becky Haddad, and this is Al Pellets, a podcast featuring tips for ag teachers. We are your agricultural education resource across the web, sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. Hey Al Pellets, welcome back to another Al Pellets episode.
1: Yeah, I got buttons to push. Brian can't keep promises. He promised he wouldn't touch those buttons.
2: He never promised such a thing. He was told not to, <laughs> I was told. and the look on his face said, I'm going to push them all.
1: I was told
0: not to push the buttons, which is the absolute way to get me to push the buttons. Uh, no, we are gre- excited to have another exciting panel here of folks with, with Owl Pellets. This is Brian here by the Owl Pellet with Mike and Becky, and we have a... I'm looking at the screen here, folks, and unfortunately, it's a it's an audio-only podcast, but this is the Ag Ed version of the Brady Bunch up on the screen <laughs> right here. Uh, this is the who's who of of agricultural education. We are excited to have them with us today. We're going to be talking about student teachers and the student teaching experience, which uh, most of us that are in the Ag Ed classroom all had the opportunity to, to, to be a student teacher so we can talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of that. And so we are excited to in, uh, introduce our guests. And so we're going to get started here. Peyton, why don't you get us kicked kick off with, with uh, introducing yourself to everybody?
3: Well, hey, that was a huge introduction in itself, the Brady Bunch. Um, <laughs> my name is Peyton Sweet. I work for the Georgia FFA Foundation. But before that, I was a teacher in the classroom. I taught ag, and before that, I was a student teacher. So this will be a fun conversation.
4: Hey everyone, uh, my name is Brad Coleman. I am an assistant uh, professor of agricultural education um, at Oklahoma State University. And just like Peyton, I also was a high school uh, agricultural teacher in Louisiana.
5: Hi everybody, my name is JC Bunch. I'm an associate professor of agricultural education at the University of Florida. Just like the others on this panel, I too was a high school agriculture teacher in Oklahoma.
6: Greetings, everyone. Carla Jagger here. I am at University of Florida as well as assistant professor and also taught high school agriculture in Ohio.
0: Very cool. It sounds like we're all confessing our sins. Hello, my (laughs) name is Brian, and I was a student teacher. I
1: have a problem.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I have a problem, yes. Uh, So we're going to be talking about student teaching. Peyton, tell us a little bit about the study and, and, and tee this up for us.
3: Sure. So we did a study. To find out um, what student teachers themselves perceive to be the most important elements of student teaching, because like I said, I was a teacher in the classroom for the first time, and that was a little scary. And I think that the student teaching experience was probably the most effective part of my teacher prep program to get me ready. Um, we wanted to find out how we could make that better. So this was a replication of some studies that were done years before ours, one in 2002 and one in 2006, in which they gave student teachers a questionnaire um, with about 35 items categorized into four important areas. You'll recognize some of these classroom and laboratory instruction, student leadership development. We're talking FFA, the cooperating teacher, student teacher relationship, School and community resources, SAE projects, things like that. Um, So we wanted to find out what student teachers thought were going to be the most important things before they student taught and then what they thought again after they student taught. And we expected that there may be some changes. Um, So we wanted to find out.
0: What a cliffhanger. They thought they were going to find out. And then she stops talking. It's like, I'm on the, you, you bought the whole seat, but you only need the edge, folks.
2: I also just, you need to stop a second, because before we got on this call, they were like, you know, we replicated this study from 20 years ago. And at the time we were like, wow, that was so long ago. And then she said 2002. And I was like, that wasn't 20 years ago. <laughs> no, <laughs> surely not.
4: You're right. It was 21 years
5: ago. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: Sneaks up on you, so so what? What's the big? What's some of the, the big things you guys found with this? What do our what do our uh, student teachers want? What do they really 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 want?
6: <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta be like You're this good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> to <laughs> to watch that wash over Carla's face was was worth the price of admission right there, folks. I, this is this
2: is I the really day like that girls reference, Brian. You like that? we're talking about 20 years ago.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it just wouldn't be complete. Well, Brian, I'll tell you what they want, what they really, really want. Uh, <laughs> so it was interesting to find that at the end of the day, the items under that category that Peyton referenced about the relationship, right, between the cooperating teacher and so the, the ag teacher who's supervising that student teacher and then the student teacher themselves, the relationship between those two was was most important, um, not just in our study, but across the studies that, um, that we replicated as well. And so um, again, those items, there were a few items underneath that um, that talked about relationship, but I think we can stop there and, and chat for that, chat about that for a minute about what everyone thinks um, If that relationship is so important, um, how do you build that relationship, right? So if you're listening and you're thinking, okay, I might onboard a student teacher soon or I might be in a position where in the future I want to host a student teacher, how do I build that positive relationship And, and what does that look like?
2: I think even the distinction you made, you started off talking about important, but when you ended that question, you talked about the positive, but even thinking about pairings that we've made, when we talk about the importance of that relationship, prepping student teachers for this like, navigating that relationship can be just a huge, huge part of that experience, positive and negative. It's not necessarily just like, it's really great. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you talk about importance, I'd be interested in having the team just kind of unpack even just that idea of what's important about, or what, you know, when we talk about important, what are we talking about um, in terms of that relationship?
3: Well, I can say that I, some of the things that I thought important and now I'm just talking about like my own experience Um, as a new teacher going into the classroom, classroom management is scary. Um, And so having a cooperating teacher that kind of can show you the ropes, like I think experience is important. So before you can build that relationship between the student teacher and the cooperating teacher, we need to make sure that the cooperating teacher has a has good classroom experience and is a quality teacher.
0: Yeah, that's interesting, Peyton, you talk about this. And, and one thing you ought to know, we have an ongoing series this season uh, focused around mentorship and, and what's going on. So I see a lot of the overlays here. And we've said a lot of times, sometimes your best ag teacher does not make your best or even a good co-op teacher because there is a certain set of skills that this person needs to have to be a good co-op teacher. And I think, you know, Brad hit on this with this relationship between that co-op teacher and the student teacher, somebody that's able to build that relationship and maintain those kind of things is so important. And being able to do that is is an, an additional skill set from just being a good ag
1: teacher. And, and I think why I appreciate the conversation is, is this relationship's really fundamental to everything else. You're not going to have a great experience in the classroom or with instruction or the FFA or SAE unless you have this relationship and you have a great, mentor, coach, um, and confidant in the cooperating teacher. So I think that's a huge, important element and a good reason to have a a conversation like this.
6: Yeah, I just unmuted myself to kind of bring that point to light. Um, So I'm glad that you did that, Mike, uh, because as I look through all of the items outside of the cooperating teacher student teaching relationship, it really is so vital that that relationship exists for all of the other things to matter as well. And so I was just about to make that same point.
0: Well, I think and Brad asked a good question there. So we know this is important. So how do we, as, as a team, how do we help our co-op teachers, our, our successful teachers? Because again, none of us, there's, there's no teacher education program that I know that's going to put somebody in a program with a bad ag teacher on, on purpose. But so how do we make sure that we are preparing those, those good ag teachers to be good co-op teachers? What kind of things do we need to be doing to help them be successful? And, and again, going back off our earlier conversation around mentorship, we, we have talked about the fact that being a good mentor takes intentionality and time to build that skill set. I would argue not all of being a co-op teacher is mentoring, but part of it is, which is going to require preparation and intentionality. So how do, how do we all do that? What, what, else,
4: what advice do you all have? So you've mentioned this idea. OK, so we've got we've two words that we've been tossing around, mentorship and, and relationship, right? And so, and the two definitely go hand in hand, um, but there's a distinction too, right? When we say positive relationship, and this is something that that JC and I have talked about before too, is does that necessarily mean a friendship um, with that? You know, do I need to to first be a friend to that cooperating teacher or does that relationship look more like, um, welcoming that student teacher in, including them, right, introducing them to others around the school or that community or that department, building that mutual level of respect, um, and and setting that stage, right, doesn't necessarily mean like we have to go have dinner together every night or you know um, all of those things that that build uh, friendship. Now, a friendship is is often a positive product of. Uh, This this level of relationship between a cooperating teacher and a student teacher, but but there's a distinction there, too. And so how do we build that positive relationship that mentorship and, and what are those differences between the two?
3: Yeah, Brad, that made me think of something. Um, one thing that I really loved about my cooperating teacher was I do consider her such a good friend, but she gave me really constructive feedback. And I know sometimes it can be uncomfortable to do that when you're trying to make somebody who's new and scared feel welcome and included. You you kind of sometimes don't want to hurt their feelings. But I think our cooperating teachers should make sure that they're willing and ready to give constructive feedback because this is the only chance that those student teachers are going to have to be in the classroom, getting practical experience with the help of a cooperating teacher.
5: Yeah, and I think I think the relationship goes back to um, you know with working with pre-service teachers. Um, we, mo- most programs throughout the nation, we we place them pretty early with their co-op teacher, um, and then then we'll connect the two in a way and. Um, and, and, and that's good. But a lot of times our pre-service teachers are a little weary of reaching out. So I really think to, to kick off this positive relationship, I think it's a good idea um, for cooperating teachers to maybe be the first to reach out sometimes. You know, we, we've made that connection. And, and, and I've noticed over the years Those co-op teachers who are willing to make the first initiation to say, hey, um, student teacher, um, let's get on the phone and let's chat about the things and then really start to develop this idea. And and maybe the first conversation isn't about, oh, when you get here, this is what we're going to do. But maybe it's the reach out and it's getting to know that pre-service teacher or that student teacher, if you will, at that time getting to know who they are as a person first. And I think once we have this idea of, and I start, I think it sets up that positive relationship, starts to build up that trust, getting to know who they are as a person first, and maybe being the first one to reach out in many cases. And I think that could really start to kick off that relationship.
3: Absolutely. I have not been a cooperating teacher, but I will say another thing that I thought of is, I can imagine that sometimes it's hard to let go and let the student teacher really take over. And so that's something that they, I would think need to be prepared for before entering the experience. But that takes trust too mm. between the two people.
1: Definitely. And, and as, as we think about this this whole idea, we've been putting it talking about the lens of the cooperating teacher, but I know your study also looked at, The perceptions of the student teachers and kind of pre and 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 post the student teaching experience. What did you find out there, and what do cooperating teachers need to know as they think about where the mindset is for uh, the student teachers they're entering that experience?
4: I think some of the things that that teased out too were, I mean, students wanted, they craved, the student teacher craved. Um, clear expectations, right? That was something that was was important. Um, they also wanted a positive attitude from their cooperating teacher, right? Sometimes it's easy, and I think some—I know I've been guilty of it, right? As an ag teacher, we can fall into immediately going pessimistic about things or getting on our soapbox about things. But we, we've got a student teacher, and they're impressionable, um, and they're you know, new and shiny to the profession. And and so how do we sometimes have to check some of our heavy opinions? um, And ensure ensure that we have that positive attitude. So those were two things too from the perspective of of the student teacher Mike that um, that they were craving, right? They wanted clear expectations. They want to know what is expected of them and and they want that positive attitude and kind of like Peyton. I think about my cooperating teacher. That's something that he did really well, right? The expectations about when to show up and when to leave um, were very clear. And, you know, he, he was raising a family and so I appreciated that he set really good boundaries around work um, and around what that looked like. And, and that's something that's kind of stuck with me through my professional career. And as I've mentored other, other teachers as well, I've been able to hopefully try to introduce some of that, some of that as well.
0: Well, Brad, as you were talking about clear expectations and all, all the things, yeah, I, I agree with completely, but also just thinking about in the act of teaching, so many of our of our again, a good teacher, they just kind of do things and it becomes part of their their nature to do things and they're not able to explain to the student teacher, okay, why did you begin class that way? Why did you handle that certain student behavior challenge that particular way? Like, I don't know. I just, that's just the way I do it. And I think the co-op teacher, if you're going to sign up to be a co-op teacher, is, is a part of this clear expectations thing is really think about how can you explain your practice? Why do you do the things that you do as an ag teacher? And being able to explain that there rather than expecting the, the student teacher just to kind of pick it up by osmosis. And, I, and, again, I, what I've seen is those really, really good co-op teachers are the ones that can sit there and, and explain to the student teacher their practice and debrief with them and understand about why they made the decisions they made in, in, that, in the classroom that particular day.
4: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So as we go back, and you, I know, again, you're looking at this thing from the elements of the, what the student teacher wanted – but I think as we were talking earlier, there's some really good guides here, as because I mean, all of us probably have folks that say, "Hey, I want I want to host a student teacher," and unfortunately, so many folks that say they want to they want to host a student teacher think, "Oh, it's going to be easy. I'm going to get some extra help. I'm going to be able to sit back and relax <laughs> a little bit, spend a little bit more time maybe on an applications or whatever else." Yet we all know that hosting a student teacher and being a co-op teacher is actually more work than less work, even if it's a great one. There is still some more work in there, so. From, from your study and seeing kind of the perceptions that the student teachers saw as being important, what advice do you have for all of us out there as either we're hoping to sign up to be a co-op teacher or those of us that work with assigning co-op teachers and preparing them to, to do this kind of work?
3: I would say one thing is is know who you're assigning them to. I Whatever it takes to get to know those potential cooperating teachers better and then the, you know, you have those students in your program. You know your students who are going to be pre-service teachers. Try to match them the best you can. Um, I think that's important too, to know who you're putting with you. And I know that is not going to be perfect, but um, just getting to know the people you're working with is very important.
4: I think it's interesting. Sometimes you talk to undergraduate students, right, who've just recently been assigned to their placement site. Um, and they think that faculty have just sat around and thrown darts at the map, right? And, <laughs> All right, this one's Brad's <laughs> dart. Where is he headed? Okay, Springfield, <laughs> that's where we're going. Um, but, but there's a little bit more of a systematic process, hopefully, um, and, and hopefully it considers that relationship. And so I think Peyton's spot on, right? You have to consider where you're sending a student to and, and who that student is. And so that takes time, right? You've got to know your, your student teacher as a faculty member. Um, and so sometimes what that looks like is something as simple as, a, as an application, right? Head, headed into student teaching and having the student teacher think about what do I want out of this experience? What are my strengths? What are my areas of weakness? Put me at a place where I'm going to grow in these areas, right? Maybe I know a lot about horticulture and not a ton about ag mechanics. Or maybe when I need feedback, this is the type of feedback or how I like to receive feedback. And then sorting through those and then understanding where you're sending them um, to, to kind of best match that that student teacher to that site um, for what they're good at, as well as the relationship piece that we've been talking about.
3: Yeah, I think that's super important. And Brad, you said something I didn't even think about a few seconds ago. I think it's important to look at the school and their resources, the facilities that they have and try to, to match those as well. Mm hmm.
4: Yeah, and an environment is huge. Um, I think when when you're thinking about if I'm going to host a student teacher and how do I set the stage for that environment, um, and so for 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 students and you're bringing them in, I think it goes back to right. JC was saying you got to get to know your student teacher, and so maybe it's having that conversation about what their strengths and weaknesses are, and and how can I prepare them in this environment to to fit those. Strengths and weaknesses, or if they're if I notice that okay, we we want to play around with um, some creative teaching methodologies, right? Um, are there some tools in my toolbox that I can share with this student teacher, um, and maybe I, I can learn something from them too? So, how do I set the stage for for a really good learning experience? Because at the end of the day, this is the place that it should be safe to fail uh, for that student teacher. Um, You know, they they're learning and they're growing. And so you've got to set a space up um, in your environment with your students as a student teacher is coming in, letting them know kind of what to expect um, and that it should be a safe place to fail because that's one of the best ways we can can learn and grow. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, with that, you're, you're talking about, you know, collecting some information about things like FFA and SAE and teachers have to, if you're going to serve as a co-op teacher, you have to understand that you really have to be explicit about the decisions you make because we probably all assume that every FFA chapter in our state is run the same way, and you do a lot of the things the same way. And I don't know about you, but I can remember my student teaching when I walked into a new chapter, especially when I go to a new state, I'm like, what do you mean you don't do it this way? Or what do you mean you do this thing? And I think I've seen way too many times when – A really good co-op teacher just assumes that their student teacher knows how they operate, how they train a team or how they operate this community event or whatever else. And the student teacher's looking at something like a monkey doing a math problem like, I don't know what to do next. And you really have to understand because even you're in the same state, in the same organization of FFA, things are done differently chapter to chapter. And you really have to be explicit with that student teacher so they understand what's going on and so they can learn about why you do it that particular way.
6: And I've also seen a lot of co-op teachers maybe doing a lot of things behind the scenes while the student teacher is teaching. And so I think that's another really important thing that sometimes they maybe take stuff for granted, meaning the cooperating teacher Where they're doing a lot of things behind the scene and not really bringing that student teacher alongside them as it does pertain to things like FFA and SAEs um, and paperwork and just the just the logistics of their program. And so that's something that I would encourage every cooperating teacher to make sure that they pause on some of those pieces and actually take this intern through that journey.
2: I think it's so tempting when we think about the navigating expectations to say like we need to focus on on teaching and like. But we get to then that first year for that student teacher and they go, I didn't realize this was part of my job. I didn't realize this was part of our job. And we think maybe as cooperating teachers, you know, we're, we're protecting them so they can focus on what's really important. But if we're not giving them that whole experience, like Carla said, that's just that that's really not getting them ready. Yeah.
0: Just the management behind things. As you were talking, Carla, I was thinking about the cooking show. You know, because you, you got these cooking shows, they're throwing <laughs> ingredients everywhere, things into a pan, and then all of a sudden, like, ta-da, it comes out of the oven, just looking perfect, and I think so often, our student teachers may get that mentality, and they don't see what happened to get, what happened behind the scenes. I don't realize
2: it takes time to bake it. Yeah,
0: it takes time to <laughs> bake, the, bake it, and you're, you know, you're seeing some of that stuff, and they're like, wait a minute, this didn't happen, you know, Mr. So-and-so or Miss So-and-so, things just kind of fell into place, well, they didn't they didn't see it happen. And I think one of the opportunities that a co-op teacher has is not to scare them, but to show them, how do you manage the day? Um, yes, teaching is important and that's what we do, but to be prepared for all your different preps, how do you get from one class to the next? How do you manage and teach well and manage your FFA chapter? And like Brad was saying, have boundaries to go back and, you know, and, and have your life and understand all that. And it's all doable, but you just have to be explicit to show them how this happens. Because if you walk in and think things are like the magic oven and they're not, everything falls apart.
3: That's true. That actually made me think of something else when we're talking about, um, they're not only learning how to teach in the classroom, they're learning how to coach CDE teams. They're learning how to manage and supervise SAE projects. Um, that was actually a recommendation we made from this study was that, It would be nice if the student teachers had more opportunities to judge or monitor those career development events and things like that. So it would be helpful if the cooperating teachers were very encouraging in that way. If they said, hey, you should go out and you should, you know, judge these CDEs. You should monitor more of the SAE projects just to get a little bit more experience in those areas outside of the classroom as well. Yeah,
0: that's great. And I'm I'm sitting here as we wrap this conversation up. I, I think of a saying that our former state of affairs advisor always said all the time. She always said, "You know, you're you're building the plane as it's flying." Student teachers kind of that way. You are, you are learning to fly the plane while it is in the air because the the students are coming, the chapters are running, the school year's going on, and you're learning to teach while the real thing is happening. And as a co-op teacher, you got to be able to figure out how do you give them that chance, as Brad said, a chance to fail and to learn. But still, make sure you're giving a good experience to your program and your students, and that's that's a that's a, a a challenge some of our co-op teachers have. And this study, I think you all did, and the conversation we just had provides a great framework for folks that are going to be co-op teachers to be thinking about when they engage in this very important role. Because you go back and you ask folks, what is that most important experience that they had as a to learn how to become a teacher? 10 times out of nine, it comes back and says, it was student teaching. It was my co-op teacher. Those are the things that we, that we know that, that is, is so important to do this. So Peyton, Brad, Carla, JC, thank you so very much for doing this work, for sharing it with us and having this great conversation with us today on Owl Pellets. Yeah, Thanks thank for you. having us. All right, hope everybody goes out there and and reads their works and and, uh, interact on social media about your student-teacher experience, what you've been doing as a co-op, and how we can go back and do a better job of preparing folks uh, for this very important experience. And so for Becky and Mike, this is Brian here by the Al Pellets saying thanks and hope you all have a great, absolutely wonderful day. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Al Pellets. Check out our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about our guests. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay connected. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss an episode. For Mike and Becky, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellets saying thank you, and we look
3: forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers.